Welcome to episode 34 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci, and I'm your film and TV travel guide. This week, I take you on a walk through where I live, the Hudson Valley, New York area, and we learn what's been filmed here and what you can expect to see when you finally get a chance to visit. Let's get started. everyone. I hope you're doing well. And those of you who are in areas that have opened up a little or maybe even a lot, you're still doing what you need to do to stay safe in these crazy times. Please continue to wear your masks, wash your hands, use sanitizer. You might just save a life. It might be mine. It could be yours. Or it might be someone you love or maybe someone you don't even know. I'm still at home trying to get my home sold and working. I venture out a little bit, but I'm staying back for now to see how all of this opening up in New York plays out. Of course, I'm still watching television and movies. I recently watched the half of it, which was written and directed by Alice Wu, and it's currently on Netflix. It was a great coming-of-age movie that was well-written, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. EJ and I have taken some time out to watch the Silly Floor is Lava game show, also on Netflix. Did you ever play that as a kid? I used to do that. I used to be like, don't get off the couch, it's lava. Well, they turned that one little concept into a game show that takes it to a whole other level, while contestants compete for $10,000. The show can get a bit stressful and silly, but it's mindless, and nowadays don't we all need something mindless? I know I do. I'm also excited that the newest season of The Bold Type just started on Freeform. I love that show. I think they do a great job of tackling topics that are very pertinent to today's society and to young adults growing up, and also for even older people who really need a change of attitude and sometimes this show actually brings those ideas to the forefront and shows you viewpoints that maybe you didn't consider before. I think it's a really good show. Uh, Right now as I'm recording this EJ is obsessed with the Riviera the series with Julia Stiles and he's inside watching that and wow I mean the scenery in there is just oh it's absolutely breathtaking and who knows maybe I'll add that um, area and those filming locations onto my list once I get this house sold and get out of here who knows what the future is going to hold right so here's some news so for those of you who haven't heard if you've ever watched the movie Into the Wild you might know that the bus that Christopher McCandless used uh, Christopher actually hiked across North America through Alaska and at one point he found this bus and this I'm not going to give the whole I mean it's it's was filmed a long time ago I think it's from like 2007 or something but um the bus actually has become an attraction of sorts for people who love the movie loved what Christopher stood for and really wanted to go see this bus this empty bus sometimes I don't understand some things but 
Apparently, uh, they've moved the bus um, because, according to an article on CNN, last February, firefighters and Alaska state troopers rescued five Italian hikers on the Stampede Trail as they were returning from visiting the abandoned bus. About a year earlier, a Belarus woman died on the trail trying to cross the river to visit the bus with her new husband. So I guess I need to say it now that we're getting back out to traveling again. And I know that there are adventure junkies out there, but please don't risk your life to see a film or TV location or something from it like this van. It's really not worth it. It's not worth your life. It's not worth you getting injured. Um, I understand it could be exciting to say, hey, you saw it. But it, again, just be careful now that every, now that you're venturing back out there. Use common sense as to where you go and what you see. Also, I can't keep up with all the news and cancellations on a weekly podcast, but I can tell you that the Lucy Comedy Fest was canceled for this year in Jamestown, New York. It'll be held next year. At least it's scheduled right now to be held next year. The Somewhere in Time weekend, if you recall a few weeks back, I finally saw that movie after 20-something years of wanting to see it. Um, it was my late husband's favorite movie. My daughter is named after the character in the movie, but I never saw the movie. And after he passed, I was like, I have to see this. I have to see this. And every time I would try to see it, it would be hard to watch. But I finally saw it probably a couple of months ago, and I loved it. Um, and the Grand Hotel where the movie was filmed at Mackinac Island, I hope I pronounced that right, in Michigan, um, holds a Somewhere in Time weekend. Um, and it still looks like they're doing it, but um, they are now open for visitors. But I would actually check out their website to make sure that you have the up-to-date information on any of these events or any of the film and TV pop culture type events that you want to go see this year just to make sure that you have the most recent um, up-to-date information as to whether or not those events are still running. Again, I can't keep up with them all. Um, so do your research before you venture out, make plans, and get somewhere and find out that the event is not being held. So on that news, we're going to start this week's interview with just a little bit of information about me. I know you guys know me from the podcast, but I can tell you that I was, uh, and I know I've mentioned that I live in the Hudson Valley, but I was actually born and raised um, in New York. I first lived in Yonkers, New York, where I was born and raised. I'm not from the Bronx, and I'm not, and we don't pronounce it Yonkers, and I don't know anybody in Yonkers who pronounces Yonkers Yonkers. So every person I run into that go that finds out I'm from Yonkers originally goes, oh, Yonkers? And I'm like, I've never heard anybody say it that way. Now, maybe somebody does, but it's not me. So I first lived in Yonkers, and I'm going to take a sip of my drink first. <laughs> That's the damage about, you know, when you do these by yourself is you can't take a, a sip or a break. So I took a sip and I took a break. So now back to my notes about Yonkers, New York. So anyway, depending on who you talk to, Yonkers is considered the lower Hudson Valley. And when my oldest daughter was born and she was about two years old, we moved north to what's considered, again, depending on who you talk to, the Mid-Hudson Valley. And the Upper Hudson Valley is, you know, probably like 
below Albany. And let's not get into the conversation about what's considered upstate New York, downstate New York, any of those. So let's just leave it as I live in the mid Hudson Valley area. And I decided to focus this episode on what's going on here because up until the quarantine, there's been a lot of filming activity going on here. And that, of course, the filming brings in tourists who want to see where films have been made. So I asked Laurent Rato, the director of the Hudson Valley Film Commission, to talk to me about the different movies that have been made here and the different TV shows. And we had a great, great conversation about the Avengers, um, Mark Ruffalo's I Know This Much Is True series, The Quiet Place, and so much more. Hopefully by the time you're done listening to the interview, you'll plan a visit to the area when all the pandemic stuff lifts and you're allowed to get out if your area doesn't allow you to. Um, we, I actually live just a couple of miles away from the Hudson River, um, and there are some amazing historic places to see while you're here, checking out your favorite film locations and great places to eat. So I really wanted to focus this episode on the area that I live in, and that's the Hudson Valley. So here is my interview with Laurent Rato, the director of the Hudson Valley Film Commission. Enjoy. All right, so this week I get to talk about my hometown of the Hudson Valley, New York, and I am so excited to have my guest on this week in Real Travels, and that is Laurent Rato, who's the director of the Hudson Valley Film Commission. Hi, Laurent, how are you? Hey, hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited because all these other times on my podcast, I talk about everybody else's state and everybody else's area. Now I get to talk about my own hometown. So this is exciting for me. Um, So tell me, tell, I should say, tell our audience, like what you do and what a film commission is. Well, since 2000, uh, our mission has been to basically secure local film productions in our area, which is seven counties, and to uh, help them uh, hire local crew members, cast members, uh, rent local locations, and find vendors that can provide lodging, catering, construction, uh, and everything else where money is spent. So basically, uh, what we're trying to do is is, uh, create a labor pool and uh, help with regional economic development. Now, what's making the Hudson Valley, and we're going to get into specifically the different films that and TV shows that have been um, going on here, but what's making the Hudson Valley such a bigger hotbed for film development? Maybe not right this second, but, you know, overall the last few years, it seems to just be more and more production companies looking to the Hudson Valley. Why? Well, the area, as as you know, uh, the Hudson Valley has always been a recluse for artists and for creatives, and uh, it was just a matter of time that people would start bringing it home, you know, to, to this area. Uh, the entire industry has seen an uptick in production, and New York City has been overwhelmed with production, so it was only natural that it would start pushing out uh, away from the city. And then the biggest 
move really was that in November 2016, there was a, the additional 10% film tax credits were initiated. Uh, they're not massive film credit, tax credits. They're uh, 10% on below-the-line labor. Uh, but it, it really helped to... Uh, get some of the larger productions, especially some of the bigger studios, to consider moving out of what I call the film zone, which is basically the 25 to 50 mile area around Columbus Circle, where basically there are restrictions if you go past that area. The 10% additional tax incentives help to uh, offset those costs a little bit. And, you know, it's interesting because you brought up that it's not, you know, when we sit and watch the films, we don't real or the TV shows, we don't realize the impact that filming that had in the Hudson Valley or in whatever town they're filming in. And I found it interesting. I saw one such show that you were talking about said the, or uh, said that the local economic impact was more than $15 million. And, and that was like in spending on hotel rooms and, and restaurants and things like that. So people don't realize that this is huge when your area is chosen for a show, right? Yeah, it's enormous. Uh, you know, last year in 2019, we, we tabulated, we tabulate data, we call all of the productions we work with, and we ask them to fill out a form for us so that we know how many rooms they rented, how many production days they had, how many local crew members they hired. Last year, there were 42,250 hotel rooms rented. That's a lot of hotel rooms. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, over 500 local crew members were hired. Uh, over 4,000 local actors and extras were hired. Uh, so it's, it's, it's huge. And the impact that that has also on vendors when people have to build, there's a lot of builds, uh, especially with I Know This Much Is True, the HBO film, and The Plot Against America, those two HBO series. They, we, we recommended uh, land, uh, excavating companies because they had to build a road. They had to build uh, rebuild uh, basically half of Poughkeepsie and half the towns to make them look like it was uh, the 1800s. At, at Rokeby, they built uh, a shell of, uh, of a brick farmhouse, farmhouse that eventually ends up being Mark Ruffalo's house. Uh, all of these things uh, people don't think about, and not only does it include labor, but it includes materials that are bought locally. And then these people have to eat while they're here. So then oh, you have yeah. people who go out and visit restaurants and, you know, uh, things like that too, right? That is something that we don't tabulate. A lot of uh, film commissions and a lot of government agencies do a calculation on that, but we don't believe in that because it's kind of guesswork. You know, they say that it's a six-time multiplier. Uh it's, it's kind of ridiculous to do those multipliers, but we always do bring up the fact that if an actor moves to the area and decides to, to live here, like Jeffrey Dean Morgan did after a peace, love, and misunderstanding, that's enormous, uh, and that's an indirect cost, uh, an indirect, I mean, that's indirect spending call it. Mm -hmm. So when, when Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Paul Rudd end up buying a candy store that's going under and keeping it alive, you know, all of those things 
bring economic bring further economic development to the region uh and that happens all the time people buy houses here they like you said they go out to drink they they buy art they do yoga on the side they do whatever they go racing cars all sorts of different things jeffrey dean morgan moved here because he loved uh riding his motorcycle here that was his he said it was the most beautiful place in the, that he's ever ridden his motorcycle so yeah, all of those indirect uh, spend, all that indirect spending is a huge part of it. And it's interesting because you brought up, and I'm I'm going to give it a shout out because you were ta- the candy shop you're talking about is Samuel's, and I happen yeah. to know it really well. My daughter works in Rhinebeck, and um, it was the one that, like you said, it was about to go under, and they came in and and purchased it, and now people tour just to see it because they know who owns it, you right. know, um, and that's a big part of this too, right? Because my whole podcast deals with people, fans of TV shows and movies who go to towns to see places that people own or places where things were filmed so do you guys consider that too is the fact that you know that's enormous and Mm -hmm. and as you know as you know better than anyone uh you know the big ones are Thelma and louise uh and uh field of dreams those are two of the biggest uh, iconic uh locations where people still do tours uh we've always provided we've had a huge amount of fun providing the location specifics for i know this much is true and we do that all the time uh for uh we uh what was it called the the the, the spielberg thing we are uh, war, war of the world for war of the world's the big thing was uh the town of athens because they left the sign up and that's where the the ferry gets turned over when people are trying to cross the river. So all of those things, that, that's called, uh, what's that called? I forget what that's called. That's called tourism, something, uh, I forget what the, the classification is for that. But that's a whole other part where people actually come to visit different places that you've seen in a movie. And I'm sure, for example, that Billions and Upload, which was uh, which is the Amazon series, mm-hmm. both of I know that Mohawk has gotten an enormous push from both of those films uh, because they included Mohawk in, uh, in the episodes. Now, let's actually break this down a little bit because you mentioned a couple shows and, and films. And if you don't mind, you know, if we can just kind of talk a little bit about where some of the filming took place. Um, yeah, you I just, love that. You know, I, let's I start with... For, I could do that for days. <laughs> I'm sure you could. <laughs> uh, and that's great. I'm going to keep you on for days now that you said that. You know, I'm not letting you go. <laughs> but let's start with a movie that we haven't actually talked about yet, um, but really got a huge push in the Hudson Valley, which was a quiet place. Um, right. Talk a little bit about where that was filmed and what people could expect to see if they came here. All right. So quiet place was really interesting because they reached out to us. They reached out to us basically a year before it started uh, and they needed to find a farm so they could grow actual corn. They wanted to grow a hundred acres of corn and they needed a, a a farmhouse with a series of barns and, and silos. So we provided, I think, over a hundred different farms that they could visit. And we also helped out with the bridge, uh, the Walkill uh, River Bridge. 
and uh, permit info for the store at the beginning of the movie, which was uh, in Beacon. Uh, they ended up finding a place in Pauling, uh, which was ideal because it had everything that they needed right there in one little location. And what was even what was very important was not only could they grow corn there, but there was a horse arena right next door that they turned into their administrative studios and where everybody uh well, they also had a sound stage there it's actually the best use of a sound stage i've ever seen where they they built three replicas of the silos inside the horse arena and they built a, the, a flood room uh, for the scene where there's the flooding in the basement mm-hmm. and then uh, a green room for for the uh the four wheeling that goes on so and then you so the horse barn uh well, the horse arena was the soundstage, and then if you went next door where they had the paddocks, the paddocks were all different departments. So the art department was in some of the paddocks, and then you had the production department in another paddock. It was really wonder, uh, kind of wonderfully done. But they were all in one little area, which uh, which made production much easier. And can if if there's a fan of a quiet place and they came to the area, is there anything that they can go see that's still up? Or well, the farmhouse is very easily noticeable from the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually it's probably a hundred feet from the road, so it's it's very easy to see not just the farmhouse but the barns and the silos. The only silo that's missing is I think they actually brought in. Believe it or not, they had four silo, four existing silos, but none of them were facing the right direction. So they actually brought in an additional silo, uh, and that one I think was moved away. <laughs> oh wow! Um, now you also brought up I know this much is true, uh, which is Mark Ruffalo's uh, series, and. Um, talk a little bit about that because I saw a lot of different sections of Poughkeepsie, um, which is where I live, that were, yeah. you know, where he did some filming. Um, what can we expect to see if we, which I know so many people are talking about this series, it's incredible. Um, and what can we expect to see as fans if we wanted to find where he filmed? Well, uh, the location department was exceptional on uh, on I Know This Much Is True, and, and we started working with them in October of 2018, which and they started production in late March, so they were really on the ground very early. We recommended a whole bunch of places uh, that we thought would be fitting, including the bleachery in the Wappingers Falls, and that ends up being the tannery in the movie, uh, which they use a lot for the, the grandfather works there. Uh, so you see that a lot. And then, uh, they ended up again, they, they, they used the uh, rope up in, uh, Barrytown for the construction of the, uh, the grandfather's house. Uh, there are so many different locations, you know, route 209 is, uh, Everybody who lives in Elster County knows about Route 209 being closed for four days <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for those scenes. But the scenes, it's pretty spectacular when you actually watch them. You see Mark Ruffalo running across the, the, the 209, and, and you see all these vehicles from uh, the 1970s, 1980s. Uh, and that was all, all of those vehicles were based at Tech City, the former IBM World Headquarters. 150 people would 
line up and be inspected for makeup and costumes. Uh, the hospitals, there's a, certainly a lot of hospital rooms, uh, hospital scenes in that movie that was all done at Benedictine or the Health Alliance in Kingston and also at Allenville Regional. And uh, the waterfall scenes, which the last episode really starts with this amazing scene at the Montrepose uh, Cemetery in Kingston, uh, which is followed by these beautiful uh, scenes of uh, the waterfall, and that's all Minnewaska State Park. So, you know, I've already been, I've received countless emails saying, where are those waterfalls? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm sure Minnewaska is going to have a run on the waterfall. And also, they also use the same bridge that was used in a quiet place, uh, the Walk Hill uh, Valley uh, trail bridge uh, where there's a scene where a monkey is thrown off the bridge. Aww. <laughs> you don't see the monkey. The monkey's in a bag, and just so you know, it, they actually used a robotic monkey inside the bag so that there would be some movement. I couldn't see the movement, but they did go the extra mile where they uh, where they did that. Wow. And then there's other scenes. There's Garfield Place, which is the house that Mark Ruffalo's painting. They used one of those incredible mansions in Garfield Place. And then for the uh, psychiatric facility, they used a, a, an, an old school uh, psychiatric facility, the Wasaic Development uh, the Center in Wasaic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so that's all local uh, for the opening scene where uh for thomas i think yes where thomas injures himself that's done in at the newburgh at the library in newburgh uh, so they they used a umbra uh the the soundstage in umbra for a lot of interiors uh so they were everywhere you know they they, they loved uh, the the region so much and Loved using uh, Orange County and, and Ulster County and, and Dutchess County mostly. Well, I'm, I, as much as I'm not going to say where, um, I don't know if it's known that Mark Ruffalo actually lives around here, not in Dutchess County, but he lives well, in no, the Hudson so Valley know, area. He, he, he did live in Dutchess County for the duration of the movie. He was renting around Rhinebeck. He, he, as you know, as you're pointing out, yes, mm-hmm. but that was, that was too far away. Because it is far away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he uh, he did rent uh, for during uh, during the, uh, the the actual filming. Yeah, I just think it's cool that he is thinking, you know, of also how can I bring more income and more tourism to an area um, that really it's deserves very, it. Yeah, you it's know? very rare. You know, we we've been. Uh, I always count on that with the hope that people do that. I, the, the, I think the, the primary example is actually someone who's also in the film. It's Melissa Leo. Right. Melissa has actually been, I believe it's 17 films locally. Wow. Uh, Mark's been in two. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, well, he's been in three if we count Avengers Endgame. But <laughs> since, since the actors actually weren't in the scenes that were filmed up here, I'm not going to count that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was in two films, and uh, Melissa, I think, has been, she's been in 17. 
Wow, that's incredible. And, um, you know, and a lot of people when it when it came out that a scene or uh, or a segment was filmed in the Hudson Valley in the Avengers. I mean, every the fans were going crazy. They were like, where? Where were they? Where were they? But, you know, explain that like they they didn't the, the cast wasn't here. It was just right. was it used just for like background? It's called plates. So what mm-hmm. they did is they they called us up and they wanted they what they really needed is they needed a uh, a grassy slope that went down to the river uh uninterrupted and that's very difficult you know people say oh that's easy but it's not because most of the slopes are are interrupted by the train line oh yeah there's only like two or three places where that doesn't happen and one of them is the one of the locations we recommended which is the mills mansion and uh they also use the place in Asopus uh for another part and we recommended so we recommended the locations we also recommended the local caterer from poughkeepsie uh, ainsley nooks from ready to serve catering they adored the catering and uh they came here and they filmed from from the river they, they filmed from the air and they filmed from land so it was kind of like this massive shoot where they were just getting as much background uh plates as possible and then they you know they go to the studio and everything is green is done with a green screen and then done in uh visual effects afterwards uh to match everything and that's gonna happen that's happening more and more and now with the whole pandemic and stuff i think that's gonna happen even more where where uh locations are kind of simulated rather than bringing people to locations yeah, so let, let's actually talk about that because, um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, a lot of filming stopped. Is it, I hear that some filming in California is picking up again, but what's happening here? Well, nothing's really picked up yet. Uh, you know, there was a, a very interesting uh, workshop last night about the, basically that focused on the insurance industry and that's where everything is kind of stuck because no one can afford insurance because no one's providing insurance you can't provide insurance these days when nobody knows what's going on so one of the issues that that was the the, the major issue that was being talked to you can't uh get a completion bond for a movie a lot of movies are have to have a completion bond in case anything goes wrong and then the completion the company provides funding to uh, offset delays or offset someone who may have gotten sick or accidents on, on the set. And uh, the long and short of it is that none of the companies are willing to provide the insurance because of the cataclysmic disaster that has happened. You know, where every, as the guy put it last night, uh, every single film throughout the world put in a claim put in an an insurance claim at the same time uh, for something they had never ever had to deal with uh, or rarely so so this is this has become the the major uh issue right now uh which uh there are several there's a, a bill that's actually been being put forth by Catherine Maloney called HR 7011. It's called the Pandemic Risk Insurance Act, FRIA. And we're actually trying to, to uh, get people to contact their congressmen and congress uh, people to, uh, to see if we can get.
get that passed where, where legislation would be passed to uh, to help with business interruption losses uh, results, you know, from future pandemics and, and uh, issues like this. It's so scary uh, to hear those words, future pandemics. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we woke up in a different world suddenly. Uh, one of the, 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 so, so there are some companies, like some of the, some of the big companies like Netflix and Amazon Prime and CBS, they can self-insure. So those companies, we're dealing with a lot of those companies right now, in fact, uh, which is kind of a blessing. And we hope that some of them will actually sign some contracts and, and uh, start filming locally. Uh, but in terms of independent films, it's very, very difficult because independent films are always stretched to the limit and all of these additional uh, prerequisites now for safety measures and for health is it's all it all adds to the budget and then at the same time you can't you can't not like can you not afford insurance you can't even find insurance so it, it makes it very very uh, difficult and we're like i said we're, we think something will happen with the majors, with the, the big companies that can self-insure. So we are positive in one degree and, and uh, sad um, in another sense because we don't think that the, the independent films, the small films that we'd love to work with because they're so heartfelt, uh, those are going to have trouble moving forward. Wow, that's that's scary. And I love independent films. I mean, one of my favorite film festivals is located right here. It's the Woodstock Film Festival. And I've seen some really great independent films through them. And um, well, I, I co-founded that festival. So. I know, I know. It's seriously, I talk about it Thank as you. much as I can. It is it is really one of my favorite. And I've, I've gone down to the Tribeca one and I've been... You know, it, it just feel like a little, you know, peon in a big pool. And, you know, right. um, it, it's just so chaotic and crazy. And up here, it's just, it's warm and, and inviting. And uh, the well, talent is that, incredible. Yeah, and that reflects the region. You know, this region has always been so, uh, so has always embraced uh, the arts and, uh, and creativity. Uh, so that makes this area very special. Now, you obviously have to be a huge film and TV buff, to, so tell me a little bit about you and kind of how you got involved and started in all of this. Well, I have been making films since sixth grade and uh, went to uh, film school at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and then became a film editor in the city, worked on a Oscar uh, an Oscar-nominated uh, documentary called uh, Witness to Apartheid, and, uh, an Emmy-winning documentary called Beyond the Altar, and slowly but surely got into production, and then uh, always realized how difficult it was to, to get help. You always need a helping hand, and uh, when the festival started, it was all, uh, not the festival, not just the festival, but the film commission, it was all about giving a helping hand and trying to make it as easy as possible for people, so... When people call us or email us, you know, we just try to make it as easy as possible by providing different whatever they need. If it's a location, if it's a prop, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. people will say, I need a, a big wheel from the 1970s, you know, where I <laughs> and then what we do, what we, what I love doing is, you know, we use the Facebook, uh, we have about, I think 16,000 people follow us on, on three different 
groups and pages and we'll post on those pages because we want to get the community involved and then people will automatically uh, come forward you know some, I think we needed a John Deere tractor in 1950 John Deere tractor for the movie Shirley I think it took 15 minutes to find exactly what we needed <laughs> wow uh, you know big wheels the same thing so little you know whether it's a little prop like that or whether it's a massive location like the bleachery uh, in Wappingers it's we get a big kick out of just being able to, to get the community involved and mm-hmm. helping uh, the production. So now we've, we've only talked about a few select films but there and TV shows, but there's been so much that's been filmed here. And, and if somebody's listened to this podcast and wants to learn more about all the other things that have gone on here, where can they do that? Oh, well, if they go to the website, HudsonValleyFilmCommission.org, they will see all the films. I think we have every single film that actually uh, ended up filming here. Uh, we have the posters for all of them and uh, and all the names. Uh, but it's yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, since 2000, we've worked you know on well over 500 projects, but we we don't end up getting all those projects. Where it's a very competitive field trying to get these films to come here. So uh, we've ended up working on hundreds, and they're all listed on the site. And not only that, but we now have, uh, because of the pandemic, what we decided, I think, during the first week, is we have, uh, if you go to HudsonValleyFilmCommission.org forward slash streamfest, we have uh, the streaming links for every single film that is that you can actually see online so we link it to netflix or we link it to amazon whoever wherever you can see it we we try to provide a link that's awesome that's been a lot of fun that's awesome and i just want to thank you for all the hard work that you've done for you know the industry in this area and um you know I, i don't know if you're still producing or doing any you know projects um you know that you do you have anything that you're still working on on your own no, right now, uh, you know, because the pandemic kind of wiped us out uh, financially, so we're just trying to see if we can survive, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like like so many other nonprofits. Uh, yeah, we we kind of took a big hit, uh, but you know, we're, we we always remain uh, optimistic, and hopefully, uh, you know, we've talked, like I said, to a lot of big companies, HBO, CBS, Amazon Prime, and I just need one of those companies to sign a, an eight. 18- month lease and uh, I'll, I'll feel a lot better uh, as soon as that's done because there's a lot of uh, people who are itching to get back to work and uh, you know in a safe way everybody understands the new uh, the new rules and uh, we're all anxious to abide and, and, and get it going well I will keep my fingers crossed that you get some good news soon and I do want to say that you know uh, anything going forward that uh, me being a, a resident of the Hudson Valley that I can ever help with, please, I'd love to work with you and, and, and help spread the word on anything you need me to do. So I'm here. And uh, again, thank you so much for, for all of the work that you've been doing. I've loved this interview. I really did want to keep you on for days, but I'm going to let well, you go. No, I'm going to end by, I mean, we, you know, we still do the stream. 
Dream Festing. Every day we have a suggestion. So we're still there's still a bunch of films that we're looking forward to, uh, to seeing premiere, including Werewolves Within and uh, The Undoing with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant and Donald Sutherland, and uh, Silent Retreat, which was filmed right uh, in uh, in Rhinebeck. So there's still a lot of films coming up, and hopefully we can start production again soon, so that uh, there won't be too big of a lapse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, where no films are actually coming out. Well, keep me posted, and I'll, I'll keep spreading the word. And when we do get good news as to more films that are uh, being filmed here in the Hudson Valley, and then hopefully the fans out there will do exactly what I do, which is come back and visit and see the places where all these great films were made. So, Laurent, thank you so much for oh, such a great interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, take care. It. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so it's time now for my pick of the week. Some weeks it's a podcast, some weeks it's a YouTuber, and this week it's the Zero to Travel podcast with Jason Moore. And Jason has 15 years experience traveling the world. He shares his passion for all things travel in this weekly hour-long podcast. Um, I'm just going to read you the blurb about the podcast because it just says it better than I can say it. And it's take a listen as he interviews fellow explorers on their epic journeys from walking across America to visually impaired cyclists embarking on a 16,000-mile journey from Argentina to Alaska. Um, He also has other podcasts that focus on budgeting, travel safety, how to find work on the road. I've been listening to Jason for a while, and what I like about him the most is that I feel like he's down to earth and that I'm really just listening to two friends chatting, but I'm learning so much about the world in the process. So thank you, Jason, and I want my audience to check out the Zero to Travel podcast. And I found it on iTunes, but you know you can look to see if it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. So next week on Real Travels, I'll have an interview with a company that provides tours of Scotland for outlander fans so that's going to be pretty exciting i can't wait for that so stay tuned i will not do a scottish accent i promise um (laughs) so if you haven't already subscribed to my podcast or left me a review please do so it helps me to continue and grow the channel and i have been growing and i want to thank you so much for that and I do want to give just a little plug uh, to my my book that's out right now because now that some sports and some travel is picking up again, I hope you'll pick up a copy of my newest travel book, Road, Bo- Road Trip, A Sports Lover's Travel Guide. You can find it at oblongbooks.com. It's my local independent bookstore. And if you want an autograph, that can be arranged. And please follow me on Twitter at Virgin Traveler or on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler or both if you'd like. In the meantime, thank you so much for stopping by and listening. I will see you next week.